Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we just mentioned, today we focus on the, the beginning of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount when he uh, had a large crowd of people gathered around him and because there is no PA system and, and microphone like we have conveniently in our worship spaces today and, and the acoustics of a well-built building, he used some of the, the natural uh, voice projection methods that were available to the day by getting up on a higher place than the rest of the people so that your voice can project to a larger crowd. He spoke uh, many wonderful teachings about how to live out the truth of God's word in our lives. And perhaps the, the most cherished portion of the Sermon on the Mount, which, which contains many uh, well-known passages, is this section, the Beatitudes, these statements of blessing from our Savior. These are very beautiful statements, just from a, a literary perspective, uh, very poetic in their form, a repetition of, of that, blessed are they who, blessed by God, are those who have this quality or who do such and such a thing. But we're not here today to, to emphasize and, and to evaluate the literary form or style of these Beatitudes which Jesus spoke. Rather, in, in fact, uh, some people who, who focus on that outward form actually uh, tend to misunderstand and perhaps misapply the words that Jesus spoke. If these Beatitudes are read wrongly by the uninformed, those who, who are not aware of the context of the rest of the Bible and, and the rest of Jesus' teaching, then in fact these Beatitudes can become a spiritual trap for people that, that, that snap onto them and, and, and grab them with the full force of God's unrelenting law, accusing them of their sins for, for not measuring up to the standard that is set in the Beatitudes. Or if these statements are romanticized into to pretty slogans that are appropriate for a, a piece of wall art or a poster, then suddenly they, they kind of leap off the page and, and do battle with us about who we are and who God is. But on the other hand, if we understand the Beatitudes rightly through the eyes of humble faith, then they describe the life of blessedness that God has already bestowed upon us, we who are his beloved children through faith in Jesus. So as we said, if we only read the Beatitudes and not the rest of the Bible, the Beatitudes would seem to present a, a simple if-then kind of formula. If you are poor in spirit, then yours is the kingdom of heaven. If you are meek, then you shall inherit the earth. If you are pure in heart, then you will see God, kind of a reward for your good behavior and good obedience. And if we understand the Beatitudes with, with that mindset, then the Christian faith would simply become a religion of payoffs, of work and reward. I get rewarded by God for what I do. And so then we might uh, talk to God in prayer, or not really prayer, but kind of inward boasting, and kind of in this way, well, God, this morning, I was really humble and really sorry for my sins. Just look at my face. Now will you give me what I want? Now will you give me what I pray for? Or God, maybe we say, I pray each day. I study so hard. I'm so humble. that I could write a book about how I'm the most humble person in the world. 
Now, God, will you give me an A on my exam? Or perhaps like the Pharisee praying in the temple, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even that tax collector over there who cheats people. I thank you, God, that I'm not like those proud and and arrogant and overbearing and and rich people who, who cheat the poor. Most of the time, God, I'm actually quite miserable. So now, God, can I have the kingdom? No, I imagine that we here today probably uh, don't say things like that in our prayers to God quite so directly. But the fact is that we often actually tend to live out our Christian lives somewhat grudgingly, perhaps with the goal in mind, at least subconsciously, of getting a payoff from God in return for our obedience to his commands. If I do these things, then I will be blessed by God. Now it's at that point, with that misunderstanding, that these words of Jesus suddenly snap on us like a trap. Because later, right in this chapter, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus told his disciples how they were to keep these and all the other words of his teachings and all the commands of God He said, Matthew 5, verse 48, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so then, these words are no longer words of blessing if we follow that if-then formula, but in fact, they are words of curse and condemnation. The if-then formula condemns us because no one can live by that formula if perfection is the standard that is required, and it is. So at least if we read the Beatitudes as a formula, though, we we would still be taking them seriously. Although they can trap us, we're only a step removed, at least, from that blessing from God. But if, on the other hand, we read them as simply mere suggestions, as icing on the cake, or as simply as beautiful poetic slogans to adorn the outward Christian life, then in fact we're even in worse shape than if we follow the if-then trade-off formula. Because then, in that situation, we aren't being honest with ourselves or with God. If the Beatitudes are just uh, simple slogans placed into a religious compartment and, and stored away in our lives, as nice sayings very frequently are, then a person is trying to live, in a sense, in two different worlds. One is the world of, we might say, of our Sunday morning religion. Spiritual, uh, we we may often think a non-practical world that doesn't really exist in real life. And then the other world, of course, is the real world where after we leave church, we go back into the real world where the practice in reality is that blessed are not the poor but the financially rich for theirs is the prosperity Blessed are they who laugh and who seek pleasure in this life, for they will always be happy. Blessed are the proud and successful, for they are the movers and shakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, not for righteousness, but for more at any cost, for they shall succeed. Blessed are the powerful, for they will never need anything from anyone. Blessed are the impure in heart, for they will keep one step ahead of everybody else. Blessed are the warriors, for they are the winners. That is 
clearly the choice in the Beatitudes as Jesus gave them. Either be blessed by the world's standards or be blessed by God and his grace. So we see that a war, in, in a sense, is being raged between the preacher of the Beatitudes and the world and its promised blessings. And so really, the Beatitudes, far from being uh, just beautiful and poetic slogans for our lives, are really fighting words, words of spiritual warfare. They have to do with, with attitudes, with our style of life, with the way that we live. It's a war, of, in fact, against the sin in our own hearts, against our pride, against our self-centeredness, against the tendency of our sinful hearts to relish and glorify in sin and in rebellion against God. And so in either case, when the Beatitudes are misread or misapplied, they lead us to a sense of helplessness. And so that's point one for us for understanding the Beatitudes. They are meant for those who know that they are helpless by themselves. And now by that word helpless, we shouldn't think faint-hearted or cowardly or weak, as in saying, if you become faint-hearted or cowardly or weak, then you will be able to do the Beatitudes and be blessed for it. Rather, the Beatitudes are meant for those who know they are helpless. And point two, especially who know where their true help is. So then and only then do the Beatitudes truly become blessings for us. The Bible testifies that the preacher who spoke the Beatitudes is himself the Beatitude. He is the poor in spirit. He is the one who mourns for the unbelieving world. He is the meek and humble Jesus of Nazareth, God's Son in human flesh and blood. He is the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. For only by God's mercy can sin be forgiven and conquered. He is the truly pure in heart, just holy, perfect, without blemish. He is the peacemaker who brings peace between us and God. He is the persecuted one. That is the outcome of the Beatitudes. Persecution and death. That is where the war ends, at the cross, where Jesus is despised and mocked and forsaken. So there at the cross, we can't help but call out, this, this is the blessed life. This is where it all ends. This is the outcome of the Beatitudes with Jesus hanging on a cursed tree, the cross of shame and scorn and defeat. No, that is where the Beatitudes begin. Rising out of an empty tomb, a blessed song of victory is sung. He is risen. He rules. He has obtained victory. He has won the battle. He awaits those who are blessed by him at the side of his Father in heaven. And he is with them always, right now until that time. At the tomb of his victory. We realize that the preacher there on the mountainside was not a mere teacher who spoke fine, flowery words and, and beautiful slogans for us to follow in life. 
No, he is the Word himself. He is the Savior who spoke and acted for our blessing so that we might receive the beatitude himself. Through him, we receive every blessing from our Heavenly Father. The Beatitudes are the promises of the kingdom, of God's kingdom, and they are ours already right now. Blessed truly is the person who knows and believes this. Happy and content in the deepest sense is the person who lives under God's blessing. Beatitudes describe the the life of those who have life in Jesus' name. Yes, we're, we're not yet perfect as we still live here on this earth. The battle over the Beatitudes in our hearts and lives still rages, but the battle that we face each day is over the first part of each Beatitude. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted because of righteousness. That battle is one that we fight in the Spirit each day. It's fought every time we are confronted with the seemingly more attractive and more immediate blessings that the world offers that that are not truly blessings at all. Promises that run counter to the will and commandments of God and, and the example of Jesus. That battle, for example, is fought by the parent who wonders where are the blessings for them in doing all the tasks that they do each day of of running their home and in addition to working a a job for 8 or 10 or 12 hours each day, no one seems to appreciate all the work that they do, yet they are among those who are blessed through faith in Jesus their Savior. The battle is also fought by the teenager or young person who must somehow deal with all the pressures and expectations of of their friends, their peers, their classmates, alongside the perhaps very different expectations of their parents, their church, their God. It isn't easy, and their friends may not always bless them for the choices that they make in line with God's will, contrary to the values of this world. Yet they are among those who are blessed through faith in Jesus. Blessed now? Yes. Yes, we are. Because of the second part of each beatitude. Because those are ours now through faith in Jesus. And that makes all the difference. By faith in Jesus, we are blessed now. Ours is the kingdom and the comfort and the inheritance that Jesus' righteousness is ours now. Ours is the mercy and the sonship, having been adopted as heirs of God and his dearly loved children. And in God's good time, we look forward to that blessed event of seeing him face to face in his heavenly kingdom. So the preacher of the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, did not speak the Beatitudes as detached from his mission that took him to the cross. No, he spoke those beatitudes because of his mission of dying on the cross. So now he himself steps into the middle of each of those beatitudes with his word of blessing. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Through him, we can 
live the Beatitudes now because we have the Beatitudes now. We have his blessings now and forever. Amen.